Welcome to Worship in the Word with Pastor Robert Morris. Today we are concluding our series, Be a Better You, Blueprints for Christian Living. It's been an incredible series of learning the priorities of God's heart and how we can build our lives off them. This final message is about how God is still in control despite the darkness in our world. This is such an important message for all of us. So let's join Pastor Robert now. Turn to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, and I'm gonna uh, preach a message uh, that I entitled Steel, S-T-I-L-L. And you'll understand why I entitled that when we get to the points, okay? So I understand we're, we're living in a stressful world. And so it began to stir up in me that I want to share some things with you about that. And uh, I, I want you to know that I, I've just gotten kind of so sick of the news. You probably have too. So with all that's going on in the world, here's how I got this message. It's called Steel and all the trouble that's going on. Here's point number one, okay? Point number one, God is still in control. Would you agree with that? God is still in control. Now look at Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, verses five and six. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. And in case we didn't catch it, he wants to say it again. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And then if you look at chapter 46, maybe one page over, verses 9 and 10, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And this is where the phrase comes from. You've probably heard it, but you might not have known. It was Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, here's what gives me peace, even in the troubled times that we're in. I know who's still on the throne. I know who is still in control. And even, that does not absolve us of our responsibility. But even if I do everything I can to help our nation, and our nation continues to go the wrong way, I know how it ends. I know who's in control. I know who has authority and rule in my home. I know peace. But it doesn't absolve me of what God's called me to do or to try to help our country or you. Uh, I had a dream a few years ago that I fall back on a lot. Uh, it was on December 31st uh, and January, the morning of January 1st, and I dreamed that I was sitting in the front seat of a car I was, uh, the driver was a pastor friend of mine, and the passenger on this side was an evangelist friend of mine. And the evangelist had just preached that this was going to be a year of darkness. And the pastor said, uh, you know, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to take uh, uh, objection to your message. I thought it was a great message, but I feel like the Lord showed me it would be a year of light. And the evangelist said, well, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, trying to be argumentative either. Uh, but I feel like the Lord said it's going to be a year of darkness. And the pastor said, well, again, I don't want to argue. They were being real nice. That's how you know it was a dream. <laughs> they were being really, really sweet to each other. Well, I felt like it's going to be a year of light. Well, I felt like it's going to be a year of darkness. Well, I felt like it's going to be a year of light. I felt like it's going to be a year of darkness. You know? and, you, and, and so in the dream, I, I said, guys, stop. 
I said, don't you remember the ninth plague in Egypt? Darkness covered the whole land, but the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I said, God is saying that it's going to get darker and darker in our world, but we will always have light in our dwellings. So I go back to that because it has gotten darker and darker. But here's something I want to say. I have light in my tent. But I want everybody to have light in their tents. Is that right? I want others to have light in their tents. So number one, God is still in control. But number two then, Jesus is still the answer. Uh, I told Jesus is still the answer. I told you that right after the tragedy... Uh, of the officers being shot in Dallas that I did a, 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 an interview by Skype when I was on the plane ready to go for family vacation. And they asked me, you know, uh, well, what's the answer? I said, Jesus is the answer <laughs> on national television. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. Is that right? Look at these scriptures. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. If you want to know how to, where to go, how to go, he's the way. I am the truth. He doesn't know the truth. Well, he does know the truth. He doesn't just know the truth. He is the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Revelation 19, 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I want to talk some about where our country is. Let me explain something to you, though. We never, in any election, we never, never get to vote for the best candidate. Here's the reason. The best candidate is not running. He's already been nominated and appointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So so he's the best. But we do have to vote for the better candidate. So there'll never be a perfect candidate. There'll never be one that you agree with fully. I promise you but you vote for the better. Another way is we vote for the one that we think, please don't, I I already know some of you are gonna get mad. Stop it, okay? (laughs) But another way to say it is we vote for the person we think will do the least damage. (laughs) City, state, local, national. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, you just think, I don't like this one, but I like this one less than I don't like that one less more. I hate that one. But, you know, you just can't. You just got to, are you following me? Okay. And uh, so let me tell you some, some things and address a few. I could, in a short message, you can't address every issue and every problem, you know, unless y'all want to stay for a few more hours. But so, so let me address a few. But let me just let you know a little bit about me. Um, I'm, I'm colorblind. Now, I, I didn't admit that for years. I just, didn't, I just did not want to admit it. Uh, but my son got me some... Uh, colorblind glasses. Have you heard of these? Yeah, you can put them on and you can see colors now if you're colorblind. It's, it's amazing. I don't, I don't know if y'all know. Did you know the signs on the highway, they're green? Did y'all know that? <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. They're green. I saw them. They're green. So I, I got, and, and I, Debbie picks out my clothes and you should thank God for that. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm, 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 I'm colorblind. So I got these glasses now and I can actually see, see colors. So the other day, just for fun, some of you know my son-in-law is black, Ethan. So I put the glasses on. I said, you're black. <laughs> Why didn't you ever tell me that? So, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. All right, here. 
Here's the point. You have to use humor to talk about some of these things because we have sad problems in our nation, and we have a problem, uh, a racial problem. Let me tell you a a, a horrible thought that came in my mind, okay? And and you've had them too. You know, you have a thought, and you're ashamed that you even had the thought. I'm ashamed I had this thought. As you know, just a few weeks ago, Ethan Elaine, black father, white mother, our daughter, uh, had a baby. This thought all of a sudden just appeared in my mind. I hope his skin is not too dark. And I was ashamed. I was ashamed I had the thought. But I thought, why do I have that thought? And here's why I have that thought. Because we still have a problem in this country. And to quote a very famous man, I don't want my grandson to be judged by the color of his skin, but by the content of his heart. And we've got a problem. But it's not what people are calling it. Now listen to me carefully. It's not racism. It's prejudice. You need to know the difference. Because we, we've got a, a, a media that has gone astray. <laughs> so hear me. There's a difference. You need to know the difference. Racism is when you hate a person because of his or her race. Prejudice is when you judge a person, whether it's race, gender, or whatever else, before you know the facts. Uh, it comes from tre- two words, prejudice. It's real simple, prejudice, prejudge. It, may, it means you make a judgment before you have all the facts. Now, we do have some racist people in America, but there really aren't that many. We, we, we have a whole lot of wonderful, wonderful white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, uh, black people. We have uh, wonderful people, but we have a few that are racist. But most of us have some prejudice. And the best thing to do is admit it and, and learn to deal with it. Is I, I, I've made a judgment about you and I haven't even met you. That's the best way to deal with it. Now, I'm going to make some strong statements, okay? I told you, get over it. Don't get mad at me, all right? Just, but listen to me carefully. If I vote against a person because of his or her race, that's prejudice. Would you agree? If, I vote, if primarily I vote against because of race, that's prejudice. If you vote for because of race, that's prejudice. Or if I vote against a person because of his or her gender, that's prejudice. But if you vote for a person because of his or her gender, that's prejudice. So it doesn't matter whether it's a male or female or black or white. It matters whether the person can lead our country. You understand what I'm saying? So I could talk about all sorts of of, uh, issues again, but I want to just talk about one more issue that we need to understand, that even though Jesus is still the answer, the the, uh, election is extremely important. And you need to know that um, a a, a non-vote is a vote. A non-vote is a vote, so we need to vote. But it's very important that we vote because we're, we're in, as a pastor, I can talk about social issues, religious freedom issues, spiritual issues, you know, um, uh, uh, inequality issues, race and gender. I could talk about all that. All that's important. All that's important. Let me just talk about one because, you know, I, I love to give, generosity. But the other side of my message is stewardship. Okay, you, if you don't understand this, I know a lot of people don't. I know a lot of people hate math. I understand that but we're in trouble financially. And, and the problem is when we hear that we're, we're over 19 trillion in debt, we don't even know what that means. I mean, I can't relate to that. Think about that. 
Um, think about, okay, just for a minute, just think about a million dollars. That's hard to relate to for most of us. One million. All right, then two million or five million or 10 million. 10 million. 50 million. A hundred million dollars. See how much that is. Then 200, 300, 500. Then you get to a billion. Now, a billion is a thousand millions. So if you had a billion, you'd have a thousand millions. Are you following me? Okay, then you do the same thing. One billion, two billion. Now you got another thousand millions. Then 50 billion, 100 billion, then uh, 203. Then you get to a trillion, which is a thousand billions. A thousand billions. And we are now almost 20 trillion in debt. And here's the sad thing. Uh, under in, in the last eight years, it's almost doubled, and in the eight years before that, it almost doubled again. It doubled. Before, so in the, I'm talking about the six, last 16 years. So we have a Democrat and a Republican, and it doubled in both eight years. So just think the next eight years. If it doubles, that's 40 trillion. If it doubles in the next eight, that's 80 trillion dollars. But here, here's what you're, you're not thinking. And again, I can't go into too much math, but it went up about five trillion, and then it went up about 10 trillion. So it's not just doubling. It's, it's exponential now. See, uh, uh, until the year 2000, it was only at $5 trillion from every president before. And now the last two presidents, it's gotten almost $20 trillion. So now it's growing exponentially. Here's, here's, please hear me. There's probably no politician that's going to leave his or her daughter a whole bunch of debt but they don't have any problem leaving my children and your children and our grandchildren a mountain of debt. And there's a lot at stake right now. Supreme Court justices, there's a lot at stake. My, my uh, father a while back ran for city council and uh, he called me on the phone and he said, you know how you're always breaking down words to see what they mean, you know? So he said, I decided to do that. So he said, I thought of the word politics. And he said, poly means many And ticks means blood-sucking animals. (laughs) All right. So, God is still in control. Jesus is still the answer. But here's number three. We still need to do our part. We still need to do our part. You know, uh, I know you're praying for South Louisiana. You probably don't know, but we immediately sent finances. We immediately sent people. We immediately sent resources, food. We're helping them. So just so you know, we're helping. But we need to do that. James chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay. In other words, if we don't do something, we're in trouble. There are about 100 million evangelicals in America. 100 million evangelical Christians. Now hear me. Less than half evangelicals are registered to vote. Less than half. And in the last presidential election, less than half registered voted. See, here's what we do so many times. Well, I don't like either candidate, so I'm not voting for either one. Well, you just voted. 
I'm telling you again, a non-vote is vote. And you need to, and here's the reason I think many times evangelical Christians don't vote, because they understand that we have a constitution. Now, again, I'm going to say some strong things in the message. We are not a democracy. I don't know if you know that. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. A democracy is rule by majority. And in a truth, now, now, let me tell you, if you go look up the definition of democracy, they've changed it. And they'll say it's uh, where you uh, elect leaders and then leaders uh, make the laws. Well, that's really not what a democracy is. They shouldn't ask a politician what it is. They should ask a preacher because it comes from two Greek words. <laughs> Demos and kratia, which means people power. Power comes from the people. Now, and I'm going to explain something. Hang on. Hang on to your seats, though. All right? But what it means is in a true democratic nation, people actually vote on the laws. In a republic, it means rule by constitutional law. But we are a republic, listen, with a democratic process. So we elect leaders who are supposed to uphold our constitution. So because we have this constitution that is so great, I think many of us sometimes feel like, well, we'll be okay. We've got a Judeo-Christian foundation in America. So this, this one election doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Because for years now, we have sat home, and those who are trying to change our Constitution are voting. And they are changing it, and they are interpreting it, and they are saying, that's not constitutional. For instance, they said it's not constitutional to pray in schools. And look what's happened in the violence in our world since we did that. So it's very, very important that you vote. It's very important. Now, uh, I'm going to give you one statement from our uh, Declaration of Independence and tell you that most politicians who quote this don't believe it. And I'll I'll show you what I mean. Here's the statement, and you you, you know it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Okay, okay. you might think that I'm going to zoom in on the word equal. I've already talked about equality. We, we do not have racial equality in America. We do not have gender equality. Those are two things we're still trying to fix, and they need to be fixed. But that's not the word that most politicians don't believe. Here's the word they don't believe, the word created. We are created equal and endued by our creator. Here's what many politicians believe evolved. Now listen to me carefully. If you don't believe we were created, you will never believe we're equal because people don't evolve equally. They don't. We learn at different paces. And I'm not talking now about race. I'm talking about any person, but that's, we were created. That's the foundation of our government is that the rights that we have have not been given to us by the government, but they've been given to us by Almighty God, our Creator. That's, what we, that's our foundation. And if you don't believe in creation, you can't believe in equality, no matter what you say. So we were created equal. Now, you need to read the platforms of each party. I read them this last week. One's 55 pages, one is 66 pages. You may not want to read them. You might want to just read a summary. <laughs> uh, 
One is very specific. One is very vague. I'll, I'll, I'll quote you, and I'm going to take again one issue. Now, I'm going to talk about the issue of abortion. Please hear me, though. I understand it's sensitive for many people here. I understand that. And I never, ever want to talk about a sensitive subject with insensitivity. So please, I'm not trying to, if you've had an abortion, I'm not trying to talk about this with insensitivity. But it does need to be talked about. I think most Americans realize that, that our courts made a mistake in 1973. And the reason that people on the other side will not even give an ounce is because they know if they give an ounce that then common sense is going to take over. So this is one, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's one of the party platforms says, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental individual right to life which cannot be infringed. It goes on to say, we believe the 14th Amendment protects the newborn child and we do not believe that we should use government funds to pay for abortions. The other one believes that we should use government funds to pay for abortions, that abortions should be legal for the full nine months. That's in their platform. You need to understand this is more important than you think. And not only that we should use uh, government funding, which is taxpayer dollars, that's your dollars, but that employers should have to pay for abortion and that we should use taxpayer funds to actually put pressure on other democratic nations that have pro-life laws. Use our tax money to change other nations that have pro-life laws. That's in their platform. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Here's the problem. You may have never thought about abortion this way, but every person is unique. There was only one Albert Einstein. There was only one. There was only one Louis Pasteur. There was only one Martin Luther King. What if they had been aborted? We may have aborted the person who could have come up with the cure for cancer. Because all of us are unique in God's eyes. As you know, I told you a few weeks ago, uh, we welcomed our seventh grandchild, which a grandson. What some of you don't know is that one of our presbyters who was here last weekend, a few weeks ago, his daughter had their first grandchild, a son, and it was born stillborn at nine months. And I sat with him at our Dallas campus after the presbytery service as he cried and told me, Nobody should ever have to say hello and goodbye on the same day to a baby. The baby's baby's heart stopped two days before it was delivered. The next day, the mother realized something's wrong, went in the hospital, delivered a stillborn. But the heart stopped two days before. I want to show you a picture that he sent me today. Now, that baby has two eyes and two ears, one nose, one mouth, and hair on his head. But the only difference in that baby and my grandbaby is that that one was born blue. He would have loved it if that baby had been born white, black, 
olive, or brown. Any other color than blue. You will never, ever convince me that that is tissue and not a human baby. You will never convince me of that. And there is a party that does believe that one month before, one day before, one minute before, you can end that life. And that's human life. I am asking you to pray for our country. We are going the wrong way. And we need to get involved. We need to pray. And we need to vote. We want you to just take a moment to think about what Pastor Robert shared today and really listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. If you want to connect with us or check out some of Pastor Robert's other messages, visit PastorRobert.com. And if you haven't already, go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so we can be a part of your community. Thank you so much for being a part of this incredible series. We hope you learned a lot and were encouraged in your faith. Next time, Pastor Robert is starting an exciting new series. You will not want to miss it. So until then, have a great week.